Hey everyone, this is Matt. I hope that you enjoy listening to this week's podcast as we're preaching on miracles. A culture of miracles and a culture of the miraculous is something that has been important to us as a ministry ever since 421st began. And our desire in preaching about miracles is, is to lay a healthy foundation of what it means to be students of the presence, what it looks like to live from heaven towards earth, and what it means to have a healthy execution of miracles in our everyday lives. We're super encouraged and and are hoping that you are super empowered as you listen to this week's podcast. It was amazing this week at our Thursday night service. We had a time of where we invited people uh, to the forward of the serve uh, to the forward of the sanctuary of where they were just able to receive prayer and to just enjoy Jesus together. And every single person that came forward received whether it was deliverance a personal miracle or some type of breakthrough in their mind or body that that was just an incredible encounter for between them and Jesus. And so we hope that as you listen to this week's podcast, you receive an impartation of the miraculous because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Love you guys and have a great week. As we're diving into the message tonight, um, the past couple of weeks, we have been going through our core values as a community of when we talk about 420 and we talk about what, who, who are we as a community and what is it that we believe? Um, tonight we're going to be actually talk, be talking about miracles. Um, miracles have, has been a super huge part of how 420 ever even came into existence, hence the name 420 Ministries. You, we used to have, Jeff designed these shirts a while back that um, they had our old logo on it and it just said 420 on the back, like just, just big like block letters, 420. I can't tell you how many times I'd walk into a gas station or be walking somewhere and someone would come up to me and just say, and, and, and I knew what they meant. They didn't know what I meant by wearing it, but I knew what they meant. They'd be like, hey, bro, nice shirt. Um, and, then like, and then somehow the conversation would turn something onto like, hey, do you want to go get high with us? And so, because 420 is an international like weed holiday. And so, and it'd be so funny. I'd be wearing this shirt and I used to wear it all the time just to, just to prompt that conversation with people. And I'll never forget this one time this guy was in, the, I was in this gas station and he came up to me and he just said, hey man, I love your shirt. And I was like, I was like yeah, dude, I was like, uh, I, I bet it doesn't mean what you think it means. And he's like, and he's like no man, like, like, like everyone knows what that means. And, and I, I was like, no, like, I bet you don't know what this shirt means. And he's like, well, well, what does it mean? And I said, well, how about I just, can I, it'd be a lot easier if I showed you what it meant rather than just told you what it meant. And he's like, show me. He's, he's like, you trying to leave right now? Like, do you want to go? And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, no, we can just, we can do this right here. And he's like, he's like, no, man, like that's like, I'm, uh, that's illegal. (laughs) True story. True story. This happened in in the, in the, at the marathon gas station, right up the corner where Jeff lives. Cracks me up. No, man, we can, we can do this right here. Well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, do do you, do you have any pain in your body? Just any pain? Like, I don't, whether, whether it's a hangnail, bad back or bad knee, any pain in your body? And, and truthfully, I can't remember what it was, but I, I know that he had pain in his body. I think it was something with his back. It was, it was his shoulder. Prayed for him, and his shoulder gets told, I think, and I think he was with his girlfriend or, or his wife or something like that. Pray for him, and his shoulder gets totally healed. And he's just kind of standing there staring at me, and he's just like, the shirt definitely didn't mean what I thought it meant. <laughs> And, but what was awesome about that is we got to tell him like, yeah, man, it's 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of a demonstration of God's power. It's a demonstration of God's power. I'll tell you this right now that my life, the trans, 
formed, transformed when I remember coming into Teen Challenge and I knew how to fake it with, with the best of them. Faking, I knew how to act the right way, say things the right way, carry yourself in a right way so that you had everyone fooled around you. But, it's, but at some point, sin does its work in your life and it becomes as, 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 as toxic and destructive as it is. And soon you, you can't hide it around anyone anymore. And what changed my life was when I saw demonstrations of the power of God in front of me of where I was confronted with the reality that Jesus is either Lord or he's not. And at the time I was in Teen Challenge, I was there with about uh, like 25 other guys and I was the youngest out of all of them. And there, and, and there was a handful of them that weren't really, really so much into it, but most of them were. Um, and I said, either all of these guys are crazy at the same time. Like all these guys are just delusional, insane, have lost their minds, or they're, they're really in love with the God-man named Jesus Christ. And there's something to this. And that began a process of discovery in me of where I, I let my heart become vulnerable to the Lord and I allowed him to offend it and I allowed him to break it and I allowed him to shape it. And one of the first things, I, I will never forget this, uh, the roommate that I, that I had while I was there, he was um, homeless on the streets of New York City for something like 10 years. He was an intravenous heroin user. He had just from years of using dirty needles as, as, as a homeless young man on the streets of New York City, he had hepatitis C um, and he had it really bad. And, and now today they actually, they actually have medication that can send it into remission and it'll do the stuff that it does with your red and white blood cells and it does that whole thing. But um, we didn't obviously have access to this in this moment. And I remember him telling me, and he just said, yeah, man, I, I came into the program here and um, this woman named Shar uh, prayed for me. And I went and got a physical the next day because every single time you come into Teen Challenge, you have to go get a physical within like 48 hours of coming in because they don't know what you're bringing in there. It's communal living. Like they have to, like they, they have to know what's going on. So within 48 hours, every single person that comes in goes to the nearby hospital, gets a physical. And he's like, yeah. So they said, hey, before you go get your physical tomorrow, we kind of have this thing of anyone that's been hooked on heroin, if they have hepatitis C, we'll pray for them. They'll go get their physical and they're completely healed of hepatitis C. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, no, like, absolutely not. And my roommate, Leo, told me, said, yeah, man, I got prayed for when I first came here and Jesus completely healed me of hepatitis C, like blood tests, blood results and everything. And I was, and I, and honestly, it was one of those moments where I just, I just was like, no, like, dude, that's, that's great. Like, that's like good, good for you. That's awesome. And I just, until it was right in front of me, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to believe this. And I'll never forget it. There was this other uh, young man that came into the program and we were sitting in that same class. I remember this woman that was, man, Char, Char, their names were Shar and Gord Lumley, like a man and a woman. Yeah, like the tip, like typical, like oldest names that you can think of. And they would just, and we would all sit in a circle and oh my gosh, this woman and this man love Jesus. And this woman, and this woman would just walk in a circle like this as we were all sitting around her. And she just would talk to us about prayer. She would talk to us about how to know Jesus. And she just would walk with her hands behind her back Sometimes she would walk up to guys, lay hands on them, just pray for them. And she just would share her heart for like, like an hour and a half. I felt really bad. The first time she ever asked if she could pray for me, I said no. And, I, and, I, and, I, and when I came back to the program, I begged her to pray for me again. But what was crazy, this, this young, young man, his name was Stephen, came in and he was so sick. His skin and his eyes were yellow. Like our skin already has like a little bit like, like of a yellowish 
like tend to it sometimes. So not, not, like, not like a natural, like, like, oh, you've just been outside. Like, no, like you, you would look at him and his skin and his eyes were yellow. And it was like, dude, there is clearly something wrong with you. And he's like, yeah, I have hepatitis C along with all these other diseases. Like, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not doing great. He gets prayed for, goes to the hospital. 48 hours later, he's completely healed of hepatitis C and all, all the things that Stephen had going on with him. And like paperwork in front of me, can't deny it, of a doctor being like, I don't know, man, and I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. This, these things happen. It's a medical miracle. This is just, we don't know how to explain these things. I literally, I freaked out in that moment of where I realized I had no idea that miracles were part of this package deal, Jesus. I had no idea. I thought I just had to behave a certain way. And my whole world was immediately turned on its head and turned completely upside down. And it, and it threw me for the biggest loop that I had ever seen. And that started a journey in me that started a process of recognizing that we don't just worship the God that died. We worship the, we worship the God that rose again and that is alive. Because, and, and it's about experiencing him today. Because as, as I've heard it said before, if we don't have an experience with God, all that we're left with is a good idea. And if we remove experience and something that's tangible and real with our relationship with God, this becomes essentially a greatest hits album that happened like a couple thousand years ago. And we worship the mere fabrication of a memory of an, and, and of an idea of someone that used to be and not someone that is and not someone that here right now in the moment present with us. You cannot look at Jesus and separate the miraculous from his nature. You, you, you can't. You just, you can't. And I have been in circles, I've, I've been in communities and I've been in churches of where the power of God is welcomed. And I've been in circles and I've been in communities where the power of God is unbelievably freaky to people and it's excused and I've been in circles of people of where it's just like no like this this flat out does not happen it used to but it doesn't anymore I'll never forget being in Bible college and um it was a miracle that I was even accepted into a college I, I was I was conditionally accepted to be there and um and I remember when I was getting ready to go to college uh the pastor that was mentoring me at the time um, and, and at this point, I came out of Teen Challenge just thinking like, hey, we're just, we're, we're, we're all on the same page. Like, like, we're all saved and we all love Jesus. And this is just, this is the way that it is all the time. I was in for such a rude awakening. And I remember walking my college campus and I remember sitting in classes of people saying things and refuting things that I had seen with my own eyes. And I remember calling my pastor freaking out, just being like, dude, what the heck? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, how is this happening? Why are they saying this about him? Like, it's, it, it would almost be like, I don't know, someone, someone that you've met and spent intimate and detailed time with, and then someone coming into the room and saying the exact same thing about that person, and it's just like, no, like, that's, that doesn't happen. Like, he's not like that. I, I know who he is. I've tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. You can't tell me that, like, these things don't happen anymore. And it started this journey in me of recognizing that, sadly, People have recreated a theology that is based upon disappointment and let down expectations. And they've allowed situations in life to father them rather than the word of God that points to a life by the spirit driven, in, driven by a miraculous nature because of a cross, because of the blood, and because of a tomb of Jesus that is no longer holding him back. 
where you have been filled with divine life, filled with divine purpose, filled with a spirit of which there is freedom in, filled with a spirit of which there is power in, and filled with a spirit that is the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And, it's, and, it, blew, and it blew my mind of, rec- of just realizing we're reading the same love letter. Like we're reading the same Bible. I just, I, I don't see it. And I've, and I've seen the jaded attitude and the cynical attitude of the Western church build up in the believer's heart to where I've seen people that, people that I went to college with and some of them are not even walking with Jesus anymore. They're not even walking with, walking with the Lord. And so it truly does just go to prove that without an experience of the person of Jesus Christ and the way that he has made himself available, and let me clarify the word experience. I'm not talking about like you have to get laid out on the floor for an hour, shaking, rattling, and rolling. And if like, and if that doesn't happen, it didn't count. Like it's just, so I don't, I don't want to use this word and then be like, oh, this is what, must he, what, what he means. Like, no, what I mean is the genuine conviction that brings you sometimes to the stillness and quietness of your knees, and you can't help but be conscious of there's a real man named Jesus Christ who is fully God and fully human in front of me, extending his miraculous power to me. I don't need, I don't need it to look a certain way. I'm not worshiping a manifestation. I'm worshiping the manifested one. But I'm, I, I, I will, I, like, dear Lord, I will go to my grave declaring that miracle signs and wonders are for today and happen every single day. You, you can't talk me out of it. I've, and it's like, honestly, like it's, it is past that point and it's way too late for me. And, I, and, and, and when I say for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for Jeff and Clay in that same sentence. There's certain things that it's just like, it's just, it's too late. Like the damage is already done. <laughs> But I, I want us to under, understand something, though. Whenever I'm not here, um, I work at a, I, I help pastor a, a Nazarene church. And my gosh, I, I, I love the Nazarene church. I absolutely love the Nazarene church. It has humbled me. It has, um, it has broken me. It has shaped me in a way that I was not expecting. And the riches of Jesus Christ that exist in the hearts of those people is like, my gosh, like, it's just, it's amazing. And what's interesting, this is just total honest confession. I remember one day I was at church and I was leaving a service. And this goes back to last week's sermon on honor, where clearly some of that had not sunk in yet. And I'm in my truck and I was like complaining about certain things that weren't going right and weren't going in the way that I wanted them to. I wanted to see things differently. I wanted to see certain things and I remember saying, I just was like, Jesus, it just bother, it, it bothers me that there's just, that there's no hunger. It bothers me that there's no hunger. And, I, and the conviction of the Lord came into the, came into the truck in that moment and just said, are you sure that it's not that they're hungry or is, it, or is it just that they've lost their hope? And it challenged the way that I thought in that moment. And the very next Sunday, I just, rather than trying to be the person that was right, I just started asking questions. And I found over time that there were so many people in my church and in, in, in the community that had just had really poor demonstrations, really irresponsible demonstrations of the stewardship of the presence and power of God that left them wounded and left them feeling totally weirded out and left them feeling hurt and left them feeling hopeless. Yeah. 
It's not okay to move in power and be cold-hearted and sorry, quite frankly, just be a jerk. If you're going to move in power and have a ministry that's based off of power, and first thing, if you charge someone for it, that's, Lord, have mercy on your soul. And if you do it for the sole sake of entertainment, you've missed it. A crooked and perverse generation asks for a sign. We're going to get to that verse in a minute. That doesn't, that's not excluding miracles. It's talking about the motive and the heart behind why the miraculous is present. Or if you're weird for the sake of being weird because you want to be known as the person that is weird, then like you need counseling. <laughs> and, I say, and I say that in love. Sometimes people don't really want to be in love with Jesus. They just want to be known as the weird person in the room. And it's fine. If weird things start happening in the room and it offends your mind to get to your heart, Lord Jesus, please let it come. Like, please, please let it come. God is going to do things at times that you look at and you go, man, really? Like, what the heck? And those are the best moments in the world because he's taking your worldview and trumping it with his and destroying your paradigm and bringing it back into his. The best thing that God can do is offend our minds to get to our hearts because there's a lot of what the crap moments in the kingdom. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. But if you can't embrace mystery and if everything that happens in the kingdom we have to understand, then you're not in a place to trust. And if you're not in a place to trust, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 falls on deaf ears and a calloused heart because he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge me. So if, you, if, if we can't embrace mystery in the Christian life, I don't, like, I don't really know what's on the other side of that other than disappointment for yourself. And anytime the heart gives birth to disappointment and disappointment is not checked, is not discipled into, is not repented upon, and you just stay in a place of disappointment, nothing will become a cancer to your faith more than undealt with disappointment. The miracles of God are not for our entertainment. They are to restore us to God's original intent. The government of heaven, when Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, it's either, it's either chapter 6 or chapter 9. It's Isaiah chapter 6 where it's talking about, where it's introducing who Jesus is going to be. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. He's a mighty counselor. The, and and, and there, there's a line in that verse, you're following me, where it says, the government will rest upon his shoulders. The government of God Will, will be set up through the person of Jesus. Now, this is critical to understand. The government that Jesus, fully God and fully man, brought into earth is a realm and reality of heaven for which you are its citizens. You are its ambassadors. And wherever you go and wherever you step and wherever you live, you further that kingdom as a citizen and as an ambassador of the kingdom realm. And the government of God moves and lives and happens through miraculous works. Not only talk, miraculous works. And the government of God is set up so that it supersedes this government and this reality. So that you live in a way that you are living from heaven, from heaven towards earth. So I, I have access to divine solutions. I have access to divine power. I have access to the miraculous realm, because it's what I live from into this one. I'm, and, and, and Ephesians actually takes it farther to say that you are seated there. 
You're seated there. You're, you're literally in two places at once in a, in a, in a mystic reality of, of that is so beautifully unexplainable, it's amazing that you can't explain it. You're literally in two places at once, and you live in this reality from the unseen reality. And the reality that is unseen is actually more real than the reality that is seen because Hebrews tells us that everything that is seen, everything that is partial will pass away, but everything that is unseen will remain. So the government of God is set up and its systems, its checks and balances is the miraculous. And, that's, and that is the way that it comes forth. And the agents, the agents of the miraculous are, the, are, are, are us right here, are his church. And we give birth to the miraculous realm everywhere we go and every day that we live our lives, just, just through common living. Is this landing well with you? Like, is this, is this coming in? Okay, okay. If we can, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We've got some scriptures that we're going to work our way through here right now. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get through these extremely intentionally, relatively quickly. But um, I'm just going to start reading. We're going to be in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. If you have a phone that you're using a Bible on, I'm in the New Living Translation. But uh, John 14, beginning in verse 1, we'll end at 14. It says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Praise God. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. There was a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. That's a real name, by the way. He has this line of where he said, God wanted humanity back so badly, he made it as easy as he possibly could. Simply believe. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Stop right there. Verse 12, if you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, underline that, circle it, like write it on a note card, turn it into a declaration for the next month. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Let's just, just wait for a minute. So when Jesus is literally saying, 
th this is, you, you, ha you have to imagine this taking place right now. This is like, you, you have a room filled with disciples that are still freaking out of like nothing that he's saying making sense. The best thing in our lives, the best thing in our existence is in front of us. He's getting ready to leave us. He's getting ready to be taken away from us. And like the best thing that we've ever had and ever experienced is right in front of us. He's saying that he's going to leave and that we're going to do the same exact things that he did. And what's crazy about this is that when Jesus is inviting us into this work, when he's inviting us into this, he even says, you can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of Man can bring glory to the Father. Now, here, let's, let's clarify this for a minute. What I don't believe that that verse means for us I, I don't believe that this verse is there, and, and, and I know that this isn't new. I'm sure some of you have heard this said before. I don't believe that this is like the Ferrari prayer answer Bible verse. It's like, God's going to give me a Ferrari. So, but then people still say, okay, well then why is that verse in there? Like, I've, I've got to wrestle with this somehow. Why, why is that verse in there? I truly believe in my heart that the, the only prayer that the Lord won't answer. And I don't even like talking about unanswered prayer because Jesus never really talked about it. He only ever really talked about answered prayer. But the only type of prayer that I believe that the Lord won't answer is the prayer that places our hearts in a position to no longer trust him. And I believe that the Lord will not answer a, pl a prayer that places our hearts in a position to be saviors and self-sufficient unto ourselves. And the type of prayer that doesn't get answered, well, well, how much blessing is too much blessing? Any amount of blessing that replaces the realm of trust in your life. Well, well, why, why, why would I, well, why not get the red Ferrari? Why, like, and by the way, like, I've heard of people getting blessed with cars and blessed with crazy things. And it's like, like prosperity is a part of the kingdom. And if you don't think it's not a part of the kingdom, you, you need to go read the Old Testament and learn about a man named Abraham. If that word offends you, you're going to have a really hard time with certain portions of the new covenant. But there's a healthy, unbelievably healthy way to understand that. Specifically talking about this verse, the type of prayer that doesn't get answered is an answer that would remove my heart from the place of trust and dependency on the Lord. Because really, sometimes when I'm praying for certain things, I don't really want Jesus. I just want the answer to my prayer and the permission to live separately and live apart from him as a God unto myself. The Christian life is designed for you to be dependent upon another because this is a co-union, a weaving and sewing of your soul and God's soul together to where you are one. And anything that gives you permission to act outside of that union and outside of that embrace, go back to the garden and ask Adam and Eve how well that turned out for them. Any blessing... Any blessing that looks like a blessing on the outside, but then replaces trust of covenant in between God and man is not an answer to prayer. It's a curse. Sometimes we don't even truly know. This is why praying in the spirit and praying in tongues is so important. Because when you pray in the spirit, you pray the perfect will of God that removes anything from this from happening. That's a separate thing, but I felt the need to go there. But this is important. Jesus looking at his disciples, you're going to do the same things I have done and greater, and greater. So either a couple things need to happen. I need to adjust my paradigm of what the impossible looks like, or just God is lying. 
or, or, or he's lying, or it's just, it's just straight up not true. I love teaching from testimonies because a testimony is just effortless fruit, and it's, just, it's fruit that just says like, hey, here, this is out here. This is like, take it and run with it. A testimony prophesies to the goodness of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, my, uh, my brother had a real, this was years ago, um, it, it's been, um, I think it's, it's, it's still under 10, but it's been a, it's been a, a couple years ago. Um, my brother had a really, really bad drug overdose a couple of years ago. It was, it was an attempt of him to take his own life, and um, praise God, it didn't work. But he, uh, he had an attempt to want to take his own life. Um, and my brother was, um, I mean, like, this is, he's not like a small dude. Like, I mean, imagine, imagine a dude that's just, like, almost 230 pounds of just muscle and, like, taller than me and just, like, he's, he's a big dude. <laughs> takes a lot to bring him down. And I remember walking into a hospital room where my brother was sitting, and he's connected to life support because there were so many different types of drugs in his system. His body was dying in front of us. Like just, it was, there were certain things that were already done. His kidneys were gone. Blood was destroyed. Brain was off. Like he's connected to life support. There's, there's just, there's nothing going on. Nothing. And um, through a crazy series of events, we track him down, we find where he is, where he's at this hospital, my whole family goes over, and we're there in the hospital room. And, to, and there, the doctors are essentially saying, hey, like he's, this, this dude is done, this is, I'm sorry, there, there's nothing left to salvage here, like this is just like he's, he's gone. And my mom and dad just say, um, you have to give us a little bit so that we can pray. You just, you, you, and, and of course, like it's a hospital. Like they're, they're like, all right, you're delusional. You're, you're losing your minds. Like do, do whatever it is that you want to do. And I'll, and I'll never forget myself, my dad, my mom, Brandy and I were dating at the time. And it was, and um, things got really serious at that point. <laughs> uh, Brandy and I were dating at the time. And then my sister's there. Uh, my pastor came, the same guy. His, name, his name's also Matt. Um, Matt came and, he, and we're just in the room and we're praying over my brother. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how this happened, but we were given like an extension of time because like the whole life support thing only works of like, hey, like there, he can't just be a vegetable. Like there has to be some sign here. And they were saying like, hey, he's done. This has to be over. We bought ourselves a week of time of where they're saying, we'll, we'll, we'll keep him connected to life support for a week. Like you have a week, like get, get things in order, do what it is that you have to do. My brother at that time was hooked up to an artificial kidney support machine. He had, his, his kidneys were just done. Like, they're, they're not there, destroyed, completely destroyed. And I remember one day I'm coming into the hospital and the machine that my brother was hooked up to that was essentially an, like one giant artificial kidney, it was gone and it was out of the room. And I remember my dad was freaking out and he comes in and he's just like, hey, what are you doing? Like, he needs that. You said, you said that he had a week. And they were like, no, like, calm down. You don't understand. We came in this morning and his blood, like his body was just rejecting it. And we're like, that's really weird. Like he's not supposed to be rejecting it. He's supposed to be needing this. And, after, and they said that we disconnected him from the machine, from the kidney support machine, and his blood and his kidneys were totally fine. We did a test on him. He's got two brand new kidneys of a 21-year-old. Like just, just created, creative miracle. And they're like, his, 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 his body is rejecting it. Like he, he, he straight up doesn't need it anymore. And that started a period of, of things happening in front of us over and over and over again of the miraculous power of God healing him, like just one thing after the other, one thing after the other, 
one thing after the other. I will tell you this. I remember a day I was at school. I was, this was when I was at college. And, uh, and there were some other things that were happening that week. And I remember I got really angry on this week. And I allowed Thanksgiving to leave my heart for a little bit. And I allowed Thanksgiving to leave, leave my spirit. And I remember being at, up at the campus of our school. And I got in my car. And I drove over to the facility that they were keeping my brother. And it was, it was all this was within driving distance. And I, and I remember walking into this place like a madman, just on a mission. And I said, and, and really, like my brother and I have always just been extremely, extremely close, just best friends growing up. And just like we, we, are, we are every bit of, of brothers. And I just, I just wanted my brother back. I just wanted time with him. I was offended. Again, there, there, there was the root that robbed the praise. I was offended. I was mad. And I just, I wanted my brother back. I wanted my life with him back. And I went into the room. And he's sitting in this chair. And then at this point, he was blind. He couldn't see me. He has all of his sight back now, by the way. That was another miracle. All his sight was regained. And I just said, hey, dude, it's, it's Matt. Um, I'm not going to pray for you until, I'm going to pray for you until you are up out of this wheelchair and we're walking out of here together. Guys, I had so much faith, it was ridiculous. Like, I was, I was fired up. I was a little angry, but I was, I was fired up. I was ready to go. I, and and, and, and I, I took off the legs of his wheelchair, and he's, stand, and he's sitting in his wheelchair. And I don't know how long I prayed for him, but it was, it was a long time. And nothing happened. Nothing. He just sat there. And I walked out of the hospital. I slammed my door in my car, and I called my mom, and I just was like, I don't get it. Like, I had so much faith. I had so much faith, and nothing happened. I had, I had, I had like... What the heck? And I, and I said some other things that I, that I can't repeat here. And use your imagination. And I said this, and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty new, like, in Jesus at this point. Like, I mean, we're only, like, I'm, like, I'm only a couple years old in the Lord. And I didn't get an answer. I didn't get an answer to that situation until years later. I honestly, in that moment, I had to chalk that one up to mystery. And I didn't get an answer to this until a, a, a man that's mentoring me today said, the Lord doesn't mind when we ask him the questions of why not, just so as long as we're okay with not always getting the answers. Because that's where we find him on our knees, and we find him in an embrace of intimacy, and we find him in an embrace that turns all of our questions into adoration and, in, and into a sacrifice of praise. And some people don't really like to hear that, and some people don't always really like to hear, like, I'll just be honest, like, I don't, there are things that I have prayed for in my life. Like there, there was a time I was in the gym. I prayed for this guy with a shoulder issue, got totally healed, completely healed. And he's doing overhead shoulder press. And he's like, I haven't been able to do this in years. Massive bodybuilder dude, healed in the moment. I, 30 minutes later, I'm in Kroger getting groceries for my family. 30 minutes later, I get a word of knowledge about this guy's knees. I pray for him. No breakthrough. Didn't see it. I have no idea why. No clue. I have no idea why. I don't know why it didn't happen. Even after a word of knowledge, no idea. Maybe, and, and maybe, and, and in those moments, I chalk it up to, I don't have to see the breakthrough to know that God is good. And I'll tell you a phrase that was taught to me. I have it on a post-it note, and to this day, it sits on my bureau when I'm getting ready in the morning. It's one of the first things I see, and the phrase goes like this. The quote goes like this, I will not sacrifice my knowledge of the goodness of God on an altar of human reasoning so that I can have an answer for a seemingly unanswered prayer. 
I'm, 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 just, I'm not going to do it. There's some things that are just, no, it's non-negotiable. Well, why? I don't know. I don't, I don't really have the right to ask why, because Jesus went to a cross for me and bore its shame and humiliation, nakedness, and torture simply just to get me back. If my why all of a sudden replaces trust, I'm going to have a really bad time in this love union. And oftentimes, when I begin to discover him for who, the tru- for who he truly is, he will kiss away every question mark that I have. How beautiful is that? That's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Miracles are a core value of our culture, not just because we're charismatics. Miracles are a core value of our culture because the miraculous is the only way that Jesus knows how to operate. And we are obedient to everything that is him. And if your theology in your life does not include, it does not have the inclusion of the miraculous, you are missing out on a vital point of an expression of the Godhead. But I also want to say this. If you came into this room tonight and you lost a family member to disease, you lost a family member to cancer, you lost a daughter, you lost a son, you lost a mom, you lost a dad, you, you prayed for something and didn't see the breakthrough, you prayed for this long and you didn't see it, with everything in me, like, I'm, I'm unbelievably sorry about that. I'm unbelievably sorry about that. And I don't have an answer for you. I, like, I just don't. And I've had people get mad at me before, get mad, especially when I was in college. People get mad at me out of nowhere. Like, they're, they're just mad for no reason, mainly because their trial has defined them more than the pleasure of the Father. But I would have people get mad at me. So you're just telling me it's always God's will to heal? You're just telling me that God just does these things? And I would have no other choice other than just to say, I'm accountable for what I have seen. I'm accountable for what I've seen. For every miracle, for everyone that made it and everyone that missed it, I'm accountable for everything that I've seen. And far be it from me to testify of anything different that God's, than, that, than that God still does these things today. My brother to this day is doing things that doctors said he will never walk He will never have a normal life. He will live from a hospital bed as a vegetable for the rest of his life. I get videos of him leg pressing like 300 pounds on a regular basis to me. He's in a wheelchair, by the way. Like he's carrying on. Like if he was here right now, he'd be the most talkative person in this room. He he literally doesn't know a stranger. He's hilarious. And he just used to be stoic and serious all the time because the joy of the Lord got a hold of him. And here's what I don't want to do. I, like, we're not going to become a community and we're not going to become a culture that does this. And this is just me. Like, this is, this is I, I'm actually, I just want to say, this is just me personally. I want to leave our culture and our community out of this. This is, this is me. This is Matt General personally. I'm all for, like, hey, contend for your breakthrough. Contend for your miracle. I, I love it. I'm here for it. I, I, I really do believe it. But if I get a breakthrough apart from knowing him, it wasn't a breakthrough at all. It just, it wasn't. It's interesting that in Matthew 12, we're not going to have time. That it's, it's eight, I didn't even realize what time it was. It's, it's 8.58. Can I, can, I have like, can I have 10 more minutes of your time? If you, if you end up needing to go, please, like, please leave. I don't, we, like, our, our whole thing is we don't want you to feel trapped or held hostage, but like 10 minutes. I can get this done in 10 minutes. Is that fair? Ten, 10 minutes. Matthew 12. Let's turn there really quick. We're going to go through this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wait for you all to turn there. I'm just going to start reading, so I'm sorry. 
But Matthew 12, because this is extremely, extremely important. Matthew 12, 38 through 39. I'm just going to start going. Um, that, that's why it doesn't make sense. I'm in John. Um, I was wondering, I'm like, this is not right. Um, give me a second. All right, Matthew 12, 38 through 39. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. Religion will always demand you to prove something that the Father has spoken in secret. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. Man, that makes you excited to go after the miraculous, doesn't it? But look at this now. Remember 38 and 39. Go, go to verse 9 and 12. Go to verse 9. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Only religion would want to destroy the miraculous nature of Jesus. Just a minute, and now, 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 now follow me really quick. Remember everything that we're reading. Now, now go to 22. Same chapter, this is all in 12. Go to 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Those two encounters come before only a crooked and perverse generation asks for a sign. Why did Jesus rebuke the request of the Pharisees of wanting a sign? Why, why, why rebuke them? Not even rebuke them. Like, like he like smacked them around a little bit like with those words. Like, like why, why do that? They were looking for a sign that they could control. They were looking because the conditions of their, uh, uh, because of the condition of their hearts they had no regard for the well-being of people around them. They were asking for a sign for the sake of being entertained. When, when, by the way, like this is all happening in the same chapter. Like there's Pharisees following Jesus around. They're seeing signs left and right. They're seeing signs. Like I, I read this and I'm like, 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 dude, just like, just think back to like a day ago. Like a sign happened right in front of you. And then he rebukes them. Because the Pharisees were asking for a sign for the purpose of saying, uh, you better pr prove who you are to us. And he's like, no, you have forgotten what you've seen. I don't do miraculous signs and wonders to entertain man. I do them because I have a genuine care and compassion in my heart for humanity. My miraculous signs are the reestablishing of my government on heaven, bringing heaven to earth to reinstate people into royalty because of my gospel message. You want them to be entertained. I want them because I'm in love with people. You, you want them because your heart is for yourselves. It is calloused and wicked. I choose to do them because people are broken. Yeah. 
They want them for a theological argument and for the purpose of being entertained. Jesus is doing them because he bleeds at the seams of his being with miraculous, mighty working power, and he cannot help it. He can't help it. Jesus does not rebuke sons and daughters asking for a sign because they want to see him. He rebukes the Pharisees, though, because of a hard heart that did not see him in the way that all the other ways that he had presented himself. So what does this say? When Jesus is serving his body to people, start eating. When he's serving his wine, start drinking. When he's pouring himself out, start paying attention and cherish it and yield to it. Don't argue it and become cynical towards it. Because there's still a lot that happens that, like, I don't understand. Like, it's just like, man, I didn't, don't have a grid for that one. And I could tell you stories. I could tell you testimonies. All I know is that Jesus' heart for people bleeds with love and bleeds with compassion. He can't help but manifest who he is. And if you don't believe me on that, go to the woman with the issue of blood. Didn't even get to ask him for prayer, touched him, and she was immediately healed. Why? Because the miraculous power leaks out of him to the desperate needs of people around him. They don't even need to ask. It just happens because it's who he is. But when we put conditions on who he is and say, fit my box, you wicked and perverse generation, you don't know me. It's a hard word, but the hard word is there to break you out of the box that you've built around yourself. I said 10 minutes. It's 9.04. I I have, it just now turned 9.04. I have five more minutes. (laughs) I'm closing everything. That's a good sign. I want to say this, that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, I'm unbelievably sorry for you if you came into this room tonight and you are carrying something of, even, even, even if this, I, I have a friend of mine that's very near and dear to me. Him and his wife were waiting for a breakthrough of something, waiting for a miracle. We're even told, hey, this is going to happen. And when it didn't happen, they were devastated. It, 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 it drove my, my friend back into addiction for a little bit. If you're going to preach the miraculous nature of God, it has to be in spirit and truth. It, it has to be. You can't have all spirit where you're charismatic and crazy and you don't even know why you're doing things and there's, and there's, there's no this in the midst of your spirit. Because when we, when we remove this from spirit and we remove this from that very thing, we honestly get weird and we get off base. We begin to make up things that aren't even, like, like trust me, this is, this is a pretty good love letter. It doesn't need to be added to. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's already scandalous and outrageous enough. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't need to be souped up in any way. And the other side, if you read it, and because you read something in here, whoa, just too much for me. Like, whoa, just, just too much for me. I, I, I like my box. I like, I like the paradigm that I'm in. I, I, I like everything where I can understand then I fear for your life because you can truly not enter into trust. Because to enter into trust, it means you have to end the end, end leaning upon your own understanding and trust upon him. So when we talk about miracles and we talk about the miraculous nature of God, they should be the easiest things that we do because we are not the ones that do them. He does them. 
I can remember times praying for a situation or praying. I remember there was a, a moment recently, like within the past two years, I was praying for this person and all I wanted was to see breakthrough. And I got into this point of where I was like striving. Like, I'm like, I'm like, like, God, just do it. Like, I'm like, ah, like, I'm like begging him to do this thing. And I'll never forget just the Lord being like, are you more compassionate than me? Are you more kind than me? I don't need you to twist my arm. I don't need you to twist my thumb behind my back. I break in ways that you've yet to see. So what is, what is required and what is needed then? A yielded heart to the one that loves you, plain and simple. You want to do the miraculous? A yielded heart to the one that loves you. And constantly, constantly say yes. Constantly say yes. A yielded heart to the one that loves you. And, and constantly say yes. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's weird. Learn to let the Holy Spirit be your comforter. So here's what I want to do right now. Um, oh, that seems like fragile. I don't want to drag that. Um, here's what I want to do right now. If, uh, if you came here tonight, we're going to have, um, there, someone, someone will come up to you and pray for you. But as an act of, as an act of faith, um, this, is what I, this is what I just want to do right now. If you came here tonight like you, and you need a miracle, there, there's pain in your body, maybe it's, uh, and it, this doesn't just have to be physical, by the way. This can be like, hey, my, my mental health is severely jacked up. Like I am, I am all sorts of a mess. I, I need mental breakthrough. I, I, I need the blood of, I need a miraculous work of the blood of Jesus over my mind and over my thinking. I don't care if it's mental, if it's physical, if it's emotional. You came here tonight. It's like, no, like straight up, I, I need a miracle. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have, have um, some music on so that if you want to talk with someone, with the person that comes to pray with you, you don't feel like everyone's listening around you in case it's something personal. Um, we're going to invite you forward and just, and we just, and we're just, we're just, just wait for someone to come pray for you. And if it's, if it's like, hey, like I have to leave, like I actually can't stay, then like then, then find someone to pray for you and, 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 and ask for prayer. But I'm going to ask that you come forward to the altar and stand here. You can stand here, sit here, and kneel here. We will have people coming around praying for you and then just share with them what it is, what it is that you need. And we don't want you to leave here tonight having not received prayer, having, having not received that. Fair enough? Awesome. So let's pray. Um, We'll end, and then if you have to go, bless you. We love you guys. We're so excited to, to see you guys next week. Um, the, our our fishbowl is on, the, is on the, the soundboard on the way back, but then please come up for prayer. Um, but let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that who is man that you are mindful of him? How can we pretend to be something when you became nothing to give us everything? So Jesus, we love you. I speak to wounded hearts in here. Maybe it's like, man, like I believed, I believed for, for so long. I trusted the Lord. And just be honest with yourself. Like he's not afraid of your disappointment. And just like, and say like, man, I, I felt like I was let down. Like, let's pray for that tonight. Receive healing for that. Receive healing for a broken heart. And Jesus, I thank you that you are worthy and deserving of our trust. You deserve it. We are indebted to you with our trust. And every disappointment I have, 
I sacrifice and lay at your feet right now. Help me to care more about the who than the why. It is you. You are the answer to every question that I could have. And in the ways that I haven't discovered that, have mercy on me, Lord Jesus, to see it. And so, Lord, I pray right now that as people come forward, if there's anyone that wants prayer for anything, more than anything, they would leave here tonight knowing, dear Lord, I've never felt more seen and more loved by him. Because we're not a, we're not a generation that's saying, hey, prove yourself, do it. Entertain us, God. No, God, we are, we are broken. And without you, we recognize our sheer state without you, humiliated in shame and brokenness that without your touch, we would be a hopeless mess. We declare our dependency on you, oh God. We, we declare our dependency on your nature, oh God. We declare our dependency upon your heart, oh God. Without you, we are nothing. Without you, we are nothing. And at the end of the day, let's just be honest, a touch from you, an embrace from you is what we need. So we thank you for tonight. Thank you that you don't have to come. You don't have to consider us. You don't have to look at us. You don't have to manifest yourself. You don't have to speak. But the joy of a lovesick heart, you see it and you say, I will come running every time. So Father, thank you that you came tonight. And you didn't just come to just come visit. You came because you are in love. So thank you that you came tonight. Thank you that you, that you spoke tonight. Thank you for your presence tonight. Lord Jesus, as Sierra prayed before the very night, even if we had a thousand tongues to say thank you, it would not be enough. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. And we thank you for what you've done here tonight and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Love you guys. If you need prayer, please, please come up. Some, someone will come. Just be patient. Someone will come up to you and pray with you. But I'm um, pleased to not leave here tonight if you need prayer.